There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, you are listening to another episode of the Two Sharp Reds with myself, Ollie the Mullet Gill, and Australia's third favourite son, second favourite Silver Fox, because the snow bunny himself, Mark Schwarzer, has returned from, I don't know, the Swiss Alps or the Austrian Alps, and he's got his John Butler trio beanie on, he's got a smile on his face, he's got about 1,700 bottles of red wine that he's picked up from along the way, and Mark, it is good to be in uh, the flesh, seeing you in the person again. Yeah, I, I just sensed a t- a, like a touch of jealousy there, was that true? Oh, absolutely, it's yeah. a touch. Yeah, okay, yeah. a lot. Um, and yet, you know what, it's hard to be back, I have to say, I loved being away in Tyrol, in Austria, wonderful time, what a place, uh, what a place to go skiing food culture the mountains wonderful beautiful how are your knees by the way they're holding up no problems whatsoever that's one thing i've never had problems with touch wood <laughs> i've never had problems with my knees so um it's been great throughout my whole career i mean obviously most footballers is horrendous stories about how many operations they've had on their knees and how many issues they've had for me it's always been brilliant well you're very similar to me in that sense that we just don't do a lot of running though maybe that's it yeah, but you don't do a lot of running, but still get injured and yeah. do your knee as well. well so, that's yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, being a ballerina in the past yeah. that you were, yeah. you know, you should have given you a bit more flexibility and a bit more fitness. But yeah. obviously, for whatever reason, maybe you stretch too far. Yeah, well, that can happen. Yes. Yeah, rumor has it. Now, Mark, you've got a very, very nice little collection of uh, vinos it looks like here are these some of the some of the wines you've collected across your travels over the last couple of weeks yeah there's a couple here that i brought back from from france and the one that we've chosen is domaine de cabane it's a cote de rune um it's uh i don't know it's one of those ones where you go in the shop and you go you know what that looks all right and it's in that price bracket of i think it's about under six or seven euros and that's me all all day long and particularly when you don't know where the wine is from or what it's like, um, Kotarun, I don't think you can go wrong. Now, I'm happy to, to delete this part, you know, if we have a conversation afterwards, but I'd love everyone to know just how hard you were working on your pronunciation, <laughs> Googling, getting Siri up going. Right. And I still, I, still, uh, I still murdered it, didn't I? Uh, yeah, it I'm was go- still horrendous. I'm here just going, well, okay, can we, so we're going to talk about yeah. uh, what, uh, Sam Kerr, we're going to talk about Liverpool, and just every now and again throughout those sentences, you just get Siri interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> it could well be, I have to be careful, then I have to better turn Siri off just to make sure that that uh, she doesn't join in. Now, this is a, a, it's a beautiful wine, really. It's not as heavy as the last couple of weeks. We've been holding it up against the sunlight, and you virtually can't look through it, some of those heavier Shirazes yes. from Australia. But this is quite a bit fruity. Yeah, I, I would think that you would like a, a Cote Um It's it's one of those wines that, yeah, it's, it's I always find them a little bit uh, a little bit heavier than, than say, a Merlot. Yep. Nowhere near as, as heavy as, say, a Burgundy or a, or a, or a Shiraz. And uh, I always find them a really nice, pleasant drink. 
Mark, let's get stuck into the football. And I suppose it's one of my you know, my favourite parts is going, well, where do we start? Because so much happens, not only in the Premier League, but in the world of football. But I guess we should start with, with Liverpool, who are now 16 points clear of Man City with a game in hand. They were so great against... Uh, and by the way, I saw you look up into the sky saying, mm, does he have his stats right there? I do. <laughs> While you were practising on... Uh, on Siri, I was I was googling. Don't worry, but they were they were dominant. Of course, we saw from Manchester United's perspective. No Rashford, no fear. Uh, I think that's probably what we learnt. But it was a dominant two 0 win, and uh, your mate Allison with an assist, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, brilliant, weren't they? Liverpool were were great right from the start till the till the end. The only criticism you could point towards them is they didn't finish the game off sooner, and uh, you know the chances that they they had, the possession that they. They had throughout the game. Uh, Manchester United, for for vast majority of the game, had very little say in the game. Um, they did have little little passages, and yeah, Mar- Anthony Martial had a had a wonderful chance uh, in the second half, and really uh, a player of his supposed quality should finish that, or at the very least get it on target. Um, but I think I think it would have been a bit of a travesty for Liverpool had they have not won that game. Had Liverpool had Manchester United got something out of the game. Um, it would have been very harsh on, on Liverpool. They deserved it. They were very good all over the park. Um, again, it wasn't, it wasn't the most wonderful game of football, but it was that determination, the organisation, uh, the sheer grit, and also really just smothering of, of Manchester United. Um, they're, they're, so, they're so good to watch, really, Liverpool. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to pick anything that's wrong mm-hmm. about the team. And you start to really nitpick when you do. Um, and uh, again, I think the front three worked well together. Again, criticism only is they didn't finish it off earlier. Take nothing away from Salah's goal because I thought he was excellent in the way that he held his body and held the defender up to actually put the shot away. But I do want to talk about Alisson's assist. I thought, you know, it goes underrated, obviously, as we know, specifically in 2020 that a goalkeeper's job isn't just to, to sh- stop shots, really, is they can really launch off. And I, I had a little Google as well uh, of your name, and after accidentally spelling it uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I yep. you know, went back and went, no, but no, Listen, no, it's, it's, it's a mistake that can happen. I mean, Visually many, many well. people, yeah, many, yeah. many people have done the same. Uh, but it says here that you did get an assist in the Premier League. You had one, and I couldn't for the life of me find footage of it, or, because of course on Wikipedia it only says if you've scored goals, not assists. Yes. But it does say you've got an assist. I don't know if you remember where no, that No, I actually can't remember that. I, I remember almost scoring, and that was away at Birmingham. And I think we were either... It was either nil-nil or we were up one-nil. I can't remember exactly the time of the game. However, um, I, I struck a ball you know, down, down the pitch, and I, and I obviously gave it a fair, fair whack. And it was the second half, early in the second half, and they just watered the pitch again at our, on the halftime break. So it was Ben Foster in goal, and as I, I, I smashed it, and as it, it hit the surface, he wanted to come and take it, and, and according to the first half, the way that the pitch was playing, he, could have, he was in the right position, but because of the water, it caught him out. Mm. But he just was able to react in time to take those couple of steps backwards, and he actually pulled off a fantastic top corner save off the bounce. And from the resulting corner, we scored. So we actually knocked the ball in and someone headed it in. So it wasn't an assist in that regard. However, so that was the closest it ever came to scoring a goal. I don't remember actual assist. Um, but you know what? Like you said, today in today's game, 
it's a big part. I mean, we yeah. see we've seen Edison do it on a number of occasions. You know, defense into turning defense into an attack in a, in an instant. Uh, I thought Allison at times yesterday his distribution wasn't at the the level that you used to or used to seeing Allison. Um, I mean, he, he wasn't tested too often, uh, but his distribution was a little bit off until that moment. And that, that, was a, that was a brilliant strike. It creates a great statistic that Optus Sport did put out uh, last week, so prior to this game. So it's changed a little bit. So prior to the game, the statistics were Firmino, Sulla and Mane have scored 38 goals. Uh, this is in the uh, this is in the 2019-20 season, of course. Martial, Rashford, Greenwood has scored 39 minutes per goal is in favour of United, so 136 minutes to Liverpool's 191 minutes, and then the average age, Man United, 21, and Liverpool's 27. So after Salah's goal, now it's now 39 apiece, but the stat is still mind-blowing in itself. That you know, I, I guess the only thing you'd say is Liverpool aren't winning four or five goals every game, are they? You know, they they see out lots of nice strong one two. Numbers. Yeah, they have this season. They've 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 won a lot of games this season by the odd goal, and it's it is amazing how stats can really mask a situation. Because out of those two lots of threes, who would you take as an uh, Arsenal fan? Who would you take? No, absolutely, of course. You pick there, there's no, there's no doubt question. who you would take. Of course, you take Martial, Rashford, and Greenwood. <laughs> No, of course you'd take, uh, you know, Firmino, Salah and Mane. I mean, it, it, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, but it just goes to show you how stats can really be deceiving uh, in terms of overall plate. Obviously, you can't, you can't, you can't uh, deny the fact that they've scored so many goals. Mm-hmm. And the ratio, minutes per game, up before last night's game, of course, yeah. um, is it, quite, quite remarkable. So, but overall, you'd still take the front three of Liverpool and look where they are on the table and look, they haven't lost a single game yet in a long time. Someone who's not feeling the pressure, so taking away from the Premier League for a moment, uh, you you love your Bundesliga and Haaland. I cannot believe what we have stumbled upon. We are living in his world at the moment. He made his debut for Borussia Dortmund as they were losing 3-1 to Augsburg, mind you, at the time. Comes on, scores a hat-trick in 23 minutes. But it was also the fact that he could have had another one if Jadon Sancho well, had Well, I mean, three, three, 23 minutes that he was on the pitch, but his yep. hat-trick was actually 20 minutes. Yeah. So within, I think, in the third minute or so of being on the pitch, he scored his first. It was the nature of the way he scored them as well. Yeah. It was, you know, it was a phenomenal debut, one of oh, the best debuts you'll ever see. It, it was amazing. And, and, and there's only a select number of players who have scored a hat-trick on debut. And Aubameyang's one of them for Dortmund. And who did he score it against? It wasn't Augsburg, was it? It was. Really? Yeah, so it's quite remarkable, that, isn't it? It's quite scary. The other one is Christian Vieri for Inter Milan, uh, Fabrizio Ravinelli for Middlesbrough against Liverpool, uh, funny enough. Um, but you know what? Um, phenomenal, phenomenal start. And who would have thought that he would have started and, and, and started his career in the Bundesliga with such an amazing impact? I have to say that Augsburg were fantastic mm. up until, what was it? 70 minutes, 73 minutes. They were fantastic. To be 3-1 up, uh, and, I, and I've watched them quite a bit, I've, I've done some commentary quite a bit on them on recently, and they've been really good. Their front three are really good. Uh, the work rate that they put in, uh, and defensively they've been, they've been reasonably solid. Um, but, but on the weekend against Dortmund, it was self-destruct. Mm. And the, it, was, it was at times it was suicide the way they were playing out of the back. Um, and the way they were trying to play a higher line, they were trying to play players offside. There was there was no communication. Three or four players were trying to push out. One was staying deep. It was incredible. However, 
t- don't take it away from Dortmund. You know, getting players forward, the runs in behind, the runs off the shoulder. I mean, the, the one that probably impressed me the most with Haaland was his, was his third. Yeah. The run that he made off the shoulder, in behind. Then his ability to come back inside. And, he, and he, he, his first touch was what put him in the right position. And the very little backlift he had on his finish. That's why he didn't have to shoot it that far away from mm. the goalkeeper. The goal, by the time he, he struck the ball, the goalkeeper had no, no chance to actually set himself and make a save because he had zero, almost zero back left. Sometimes, you know, I would, I'm speaking on behalf of some people, probably just myself, this is one of the first times I've actually properly seen him play. Yeah. Like honestly, in the spotlight. And you, I was just blown So that away. survey you're just saying now has been carried out by... Just by myself. Just you. Just by myself. So arguably, you know, you're right You're course. right. what you're saying. You know, but, yeah. you haven't seen him and it's your opinion. <laughs> okay, go on. But when you look at him play, you just go, right, not only is he 19 years of age with just a gigantic frame, like yep. he is he's ready to go in the big time, but his pace... Yeah, you know, that, if you compare it to like a Lukaku, who was you know a few years ago young, strong, you go well, you're not going to beat him, but he didn't have the pace that Haaland has, and you just go well, what what doesn't he have? I I, I think I think uh, Haaland's uh, that little bit clever on the pitch. I think his his runs are, are very clever. He's very calculated. Um, I I was I, listen. I have to, I have to say I, I'm I am surprised of that immediate impact. Is it just a one off? The yeah. stats will say no because of the way that his season has, has, has been so far. However, it was at Salzburg, and not trying to be any being disrespectful towards Salzburg. It, you know, it's 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 uh, the Austrian league. Mm. It's a decent league, but it's it's not one of the the top the top European leagues. Now he's in one of the top European leagues, so that's probably what makes it even more impressive that he was able to make such a dramatic impact, very short period of time. The minute he comes on the pitch, he's yelling out to his teammates. The formation that uh, he was given the instructions for need to change the formation, and he was he was he was he, he was carrying on as if he'd been there for years, yeah. and he was carrying on like he was one of the experienced players, and that's what's impressive about him as well. Not only is he's finishing, you know, he's in the right place, right time, he's making the right runs. There's no luck about it. It's about making the right runs, and he he did that throughout throughout his 23 minutes on the pitch, and therefore Augsburg couldn't handle him. Augsburg were all over the place, and let's be honest. Dortmund have a lot of threats going forward. So they were at sixes and sevens trying to work out who they had to pick out with Hazard, Royce, with Haaland. Haaland. You know, there's so many talented players there. Halftime drinks here on the two sharp reds. And Marcus, you just take a sip of your, how do we say it again? It's the... It's the uh, Doman. Doman. Du Kurt Caban. Du Kurt Caban. Du Caban. Okay. Uh, I've prepared a little game because after overwhelming... Messages coming in going, give us spot the dice again. You know, everyone's going, give us another game. So I thought, okay. So one thing that I've enjoyed uh, living in England, you know, I've really enjoyed listening to the various accents. Yep. It's just blown me away how, you know, you could go from the top to the bottom of Australia and really other than maybe your pool and cool and castle – you're really and, not going to get too many And maybe the re- reduction in vocabulary in certain parts, if you're going a little bit more rural, there's... It does, you know, yeah, there's... Okay, there, yeah, I'll give you that. In terms of an accent, though. Yes. It's pretty standard. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but, unless you're from Tasmania. No, exactly. I love Tasmania, different. by the way, just in case I get any people out there in Australia who think I'm having a go at Tasmania, I love Tasmania. Well, don't worry. As we know, I fly the flag very highly for, for my home state of Tassie, so I'd let you know about it first. <laughs> but... 
I think it's important to play this game also just as sort of just a reminder to keep ourselves on our toes as a more from a theatre perspective. You know, it's always good to to stretch our muscles. Now we're well, you're not an athlete anymore, but you're a performer. You're an entertainer, and you need to stay on top of things linguistically. That's arguable, isn't it? I mean, whether I'm an entertainer or not, yeah. You, you entertain me with that John Butler trail. Thank you very much, on, mate. But... Yeah, well, I mean, it's either that or you're, uh, you're what is it? You're, you're wearing a whole sheep, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baba. <laughs> so, for this game, I have got a list of either past or present footballers uh, from the Premier League, in and around the Premier League, uh, I've got a little spinny wheel here that I'm going to spin. It is going to land on a player. Yes. And I want you to try and give their accent a go. This will warm us up for the second wow. half. Okay. Oh, very close. Okay. It was going. I won't give it away what it was going to land on. So we have started with Brendan Rodgers. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, what's he got? He's an Irish accent, isn't he? Oh, um, top of the morning to you. Yeah, I didn't think we were that very good today. Um, I, I thought we lost our composure a little bit. And uh, uh, I thought that uh, we need to get back down to the training ground and work really hard on our um, on our formation. And uh, next week, we'll make a better go of it. Do you think he's got that high of a voice? <laughs> <laughs> I thought my Irish accent was all right. That was good. Yeah, just maybe the tone of the voice yeah, wasn't the there. Yeah, the tone. But well, it sounded great there. for me anyway. Aston Villa's captain. Jack Grealish, Birmingham boy. Oh. Yeah, I took a touch inside, and then I went inside, and I had a, I hit it, and I went in the top corner. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what you say to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll give it another spin. <clears throat> Mr. Matty Ryan. Oh, wow. Now, he's got an Australian accent. Yeah. But there's a, there's a twang there, for sure. There is. Um, Matty Ryan, okay. Um, yeah, uh, it's really good to have uh, to have uh, my mate uh, Aaron Moy with me, and uh, yeah, he's um, he's really good. He's settling well, and we're getting pizza together most evenings. Um, I don't really like the conversation with him because he's uh, most of the times puts me to sleep. So, but other than that, you know, it's good to have uh, another Aussie in the team. I mean. <laughs> I think that story sounds about right. But yeah, but that's about, about it. The accent. the accent was terrible. It I can't do an Aussie accent. than you normally yeah, do. Yeah, I know. All right, now you can choose. I'll give you the choice because there's two more that I had in the list. Similar, similar regions. We've got either Harry Kane yeah. or David Beckham. So it's still that Cockney vibe. Yeah. But the tones are completely different. They so are, you can they? choose. All right. Um, I'm going to go, Okay. Try and work out which I'm going for. Okay. <laughs> Let's hope you can even guess that. Okay. Hey. Um, yeah, I think um, when I'm down my right hand side there, when I get in the ball into the box, <laughs> it's a great cross. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that yeah. Oh, I don't know what, what that? that was. Well, you sound like you're calling the Grand National. Yeah, I know. Who, who was that supposed to be? Yeah, good one. Who was it supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> Mark, on the weekend, we saw an Aussie in action uh, score her first goal for a new club in Sam Kerr. Chelsea were brilliant. Uh, I saw them play, and it was within... Jeez, oh, it didn't take long before they were 3-0 up against Arsenal, who are currently top of the table. I think they're still on top of the table, other than goal difference. But they won 4-1. She was excellent. Uh, we just, we let, let's, be, let's be honest. Were you surprised that Chelsea beat Arsenal? 
Within the manor? Nah, come oh, on. No, no, no. no, 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 no Chelsea no. always going to be the Mate, they're a different beast. They are. No. <laughs> so you're such a wind-up artist. <laughs> but uh, she scored her first goal, opened yes. her account. And there are two sides of the story that we can touch on here, Mark. And it's very much a choose-your-own-ending book Okay. for this one. Um, but there's one side of it that, that caught me above all else. We know what she's capable of doing. We've seen her for the national squad, what she's been able to do for Perth. And, of course, in America... The stats and what we've seen stand alone. She is a phenomenal player and will go down as, if not one of the best Australian female players we have ever had and will ever have. She is elite. But I'm cautious and worried of over-sensationalising an Australian talent when you look at some of the comments and words used from either people, fans, outlets out there saying how phenomenal her performance was. Her goal was worldy. It was the best thing that's ever come out of Australia. And you go, well, actually, the cross... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Being delivered to her was better than the goal. It was a, a, a well, it clinical was, finish it, from it, about it two a, yards out. Listen, it was, it was a cross. Was it a cross in terms of... Was it just welling in the box? Was it seeing that run? Let's just hit it and see where it goes. The goalkeeper should have come out and taken the cross. She yeah. didn't. Um, and the finish was a good finish. It was a clinical finish, a good finish, a header that you would expect Sam Kerr or any player of that level to to basically do in their sleep. Um, you know, got to do the run. Great. Listen, it's a great opening of her account. And yes, I think we are uh, at danger at times. We do do it of overhyping a player. And obviously, the Australian public, you know, we want supporters of the Matildas, we want Sam Kerr to do well. For sure. And, and I said it when she signed for, for Chelsea. It's a massive step up for her. It's a different style of football. She does, you don't play it like, like, you know, like you do over here in Australia. Nice. She hasn't in the United States. Now she's playing a different brand of football. She's got, you know, arguably a tougher league to play in in terms of the technical aspect, not necessarily the physical aspect because... There's no doubting in the U.S. the physical side of the game is very, very, very much up there. That's, I mean, that's the U.S. side. That's how they've based a lot of their dominance over years on that physical side of, of dominating teams um, and the game itself. They've obviously got the, the, tact, the, the technical aspect, but I think in Europe there's different challenges for her. She's playing against technically better players on a whole and a different style of football. Mm. I think she will get caught out uh, more often if she does the same sort of runs as she did in the United States and just uses her her, her sheer pace. The pace is going to get her goals, no doubt. She scored the header yesterday because of her pace and because of her reading of the game. But she has to add a little bit more to her game. And this is the challenge for her now. And she, I was reading something about, you know, she's saying it's 8 o'clock in the morning and it's still dark. Mm. You know, it's, it's adjusting to it, not being used to it. The weather, it's cold, very cold. So it's going to take time for her to adjust. However, so far, positive signs. You know, it's a, it's a phenomenal win away at Arsenal. Arsenal won the league last season, have been top of the table this season, and uh, it was a big test. And you know what? She, so far, 
she's taking it in a stride. And, and I, I envisage her to get better and better. And that's what I want to see. I want to see Sam Kerr go on to another level. Because I think she's got so much potential to get better and better. And by coming to Europe, she's expanding her horizon. Mm. She's, she's adding more to her array of, of, of various uh, armory. And, you know, I said also, you know, if it were not Chelsea, the next best thing would have been to go to Lyon or something like that. For sure. Because that's in a level in terms of Champions League dominance. Uh, the French League is... I, do, I don't think the French League is of, of the same calibre across all the teams as it is in, in the UK. However, it's very close. But, you know, there's no doubting Lyon have dominated Champions League football for, for a number of years now. But um, it's exciting to see her here. It's exciting to see her literally on my doorstep obviously with one of my ex-clubs and uh, I know Emma Hayes has been after her for a long, long time, been a huge fan of hers and the colour of players that she's playing for, playing with, sorry, is I think player for player is better um, as a whole. That group, there's a lot more competition for places and there's no guarantees that just because you're named that you'll start. You have to deliver and that pressure I think she needs. Oh, absolutely. And she will continue to grow. And I love, you know, the way she speaks after a game. She goes, yeah, just got the job done. That's that's what she's here to do. And she's doing that. But from that, that, that hype side, you know, it's not just Australians, you know, certainly here in England. You remember not, not, not long ago, I remember there was an article uh, written about Manchester United saying we've found our next Ronaldo and it was Jesse Lingard. Hmm. And then you go, Theo Walcott, you go, remember how much he was hyped as a, what was he, a young plucky 16-year-old going into the England squad? Mm, didn't quite work out. Well, Daniel James. Yeah. Supposedly the next Ryan Giggs or, or you know, um, or Gareth Bale. And, and again, you've got to be very careful. And, and it's, it, people are very, very quick to, to liken players with ex-greats. Um, and, and, uh, and I think you've got to be really, really careful because you're talking about a player, the former player who has achieved so much in the game, has played at the highest level for so long and you're getting a young player along and that pressure then you know, just gets exacerbated. And, and I always said as well is that for, for you to reach the top, it's really tough, really, really tough. The most difficult thing is maintaining a position. So once you break in, once you've played a number of games – there's no longer a sense of, of wow, this kid's talented and you know he's got he's got ability and yeah, let him play and see how he goes. Once you start delivering a certain level of performance week in week out, then you've already set the bar. It's players the, the ones that struggle, the players that dip in form and can't get back to that height. There's a lot, a lot of players that struggle to get back to that height. Height. A lot of it's because there's an unknown. There's the sense of the adrenaline, the excitement, everything. And then there becomes a little bit of complacency. I'm there, I'm at the top, I've made it. And they don't progress. Mm. They don't keep working on the basic stuff. They don't try and better themselves all the time. They're not as professional anymore. They've got financial rewards. There are other distractions. And they start to take their eye off the prize, take their eye off their objective. What, going back to the objective right at the beginning, I want to break through. I want to become a professional footballer. I want to get to the very top. How do I stay there? Now the bar is there. Now there's a sense of expectation. Everyone expects a bare minimum that performance. That's when you see if a good world-class player or not. That's when you can see whether a player is the real deal. Can they then now, under all that pressure, re-deliver at that level at a bare minimum? And, and, and more often than not, you need to start ex- exceeding that, that, that level. So in your opinion, how do you do that? Because in a sense, of course, it's all 
individual, you know, what works for you. Yep. Uh, I guess what's the what's the what's the starting base in terms of that? So let's say let's say if you're Massimo Luongo, who when if we take it back to when he had a great Asian Cup in Australia, it was fantastic. He moves to QPR. If you if he could have his time again, he also got a red card for Sheffield Wednesday on the weekend, which is not great for him. But he's at a at a point now where he's is it fair to say it's almost boom or bust to an extent? So while the hype is still a little bit there, he needs to change things up to yeah, a degree to, you, to reach those you heights. Can get so com- what, what you would can, he do? You can also get comfortable. So you get to a certain level, and he's in the championship level, and I'm sure he's earning good money. And then you go, you get comfortable. And yeah, you want to go on and make it to the Premier League. That's still the goal. However, you're not necessarily picking a club for the right reasons in terms of, is this the team I should be playing for because this manager really suits me? The style of play, he loves me, he wants me to play, I can better myself under this manager. And if you've got two clubs that are after you and one offers you, you know, I don't know, 20, 30,000 pounds uh, more or 5,000 pounds a week more than the other, nine times out of 10, the player's going to pick or nine and a half times out of 10, the player's going to pick the club that's paying more money. And that, that could be overall detrimental to your development. So it also comes on, depends on the stage of your career that you're at. So if you're in your late 20s, of course you're going to take the better money. You're not necessarily looking anymore going, okay, what's my pathway? If I do this and we get promoted, then therefore I'm on the big stage already and that's my chance. But in the meantime, I'm going to earn more money than what I was offered elsewhere. It, it's a difficult one. It's a balancing act. And, and for me, it was always about picking the right move, the right club. I mean, when I left, when I left Middlesbrough, or actually, when I, even when I signed for Middlesbrough, I, I picked Middlesbrough because I had, I had a ch- chance to go to Everton or Middlesbrough. And the reason I picked Middlesbrough was because Brian Robertson and Viv Anderson were in Manchester. I went firstly to Everton, met Joe Royal, the manager at the time, and uh, the chairman. I think it was, I think, I think it was John, a guy called Johnson who was the chairman. And the minute I walked in the door, Joe Royal was lovely, was phenomenal, was brilliant to me. But the chairman was dismissive of me the minute I walked in. And the way he showed me around, he was like, I was there with my wife. We walked out. He said, I'll show you around the stadium. We walk out onto the, into the main stadium. He goes, well, you know this. You played here last week. Turn around and walk back in again. Yeah, right. And then went inside, and my agent went in to talk to him in another room. And then we, we were asked if we wanted a coffee. We got a coffee. And the coffee hadn't even arrived. And then literally within, I would say, probably about seven or eight minutes, my agent comes walking out of the door red-faced with the chairman behind him. And all I could hear was, my agent going, the minute we walk out this door, we're not coming back. And he says, oh, you'll be back. This is what, this is what the chairman of Everton was saying. So he was playing a game. So we left. And he went, right, we're leaving. We're not coming back here because this guy is, he's, he's just, it's been a joke. Did he say what he was saying to him? Yeah, he, he, it was just about the way he treated, he was treating my agent and the way he was treating me as an individual, as in his value for me. And it was more about, I should be just, privileged and honored that they're even interested in me let alone anything else so went okay fine so we walked out the door didn't even get my coffee drove 20 minutes down the road or half an hour down the road to manchester met with brian robertson and viv anderson at uh, a hotel by the on the uh, uh was it the kind of thing now m60 m62 i think it is ring road or m6 m62 i think it was near m62 manchester airport 
M62, I think it is. And uh, not Route 66, no. <laughs> um, I know you're getting all excited because you're going to America very no, soon. I know, I know. Mr. Super Bowl, man. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so I sat down with him, and within 20 minutes, everything was agreed. And it was, it was about them believing in me, wanting me, telling me what their plans were. It was exciting. Um, we walked away, my wife and I sat in another part and my agent sat down with him and discussed finances. And I sat there, my wife goes to me, what do you think? What would you be happy with? So you don't know at this point? No. Once you've agreed? No, not really. You still don't know? No, I haven't agreed, but it's like, yes, okay, let's take it to the next level. Let's do the negotiations. Right. So I leave it to my agent, I'll walk away. And I, I sit there with my wife and she goes, what do, you, what do you think? What do you think you deserve to be paid? And I told her a figure. And I, I always try and be as honest as I possibly can. I look myself in the mirror and I go, right, where am I? What yep. stage am I at? Where, what's my value? You know, how do I relate to the rest of the teams? Where was I before? What am I stepping into? And what do I think I could contribute? And I said a figure. And we, my agent came back and said, I kid you not, the exact same figure. Really? And it was like, it was a no-brainer. And from the moment I signed, I just knew everything was right. The manager believed in me. Everyone believed in me. And I could see myself developing. When I left Middlesbrough, went to, I had a chance to go to Fulham, Bayern Munich, or Juventus. I had a, uh, a formal offer from Juve to sign. And it was very well, it was very much stipulated. You would be signing as a number two behind Buffon. If Buffon's unfit, you play. If he's fit, he plays, no matter what. And that, that was very, very, made very, very clear to me. And that was in 2008. I still wanted to play at the World Cup in 2010, be part of that whole campaign, help Australia qualify. Um, and I wanted to very much play still. So I wasn't prepared to take that step. Juvent, uh, sorry, Bayern was another similar situation. I spoke to, to Jürgen Klinsmann and he said to me, you know, Michael Renzing is the number one. He's been promised it by the board, by, by the, uh, the um, director of football and... That's it. Uli Hernandez had promised him that he was going to be number number one once Oliver Kahn retired. And he said to me, the only way you'll play is if he's injured or after two or three months he has a shocking time and then we're going to drop him. That's the only way. Otherwise, he's number one guaranteed and you're here to back up and that's it. And again, same thing. I didn't want to go down that route. I didn't want to become a number two at that stage in my career. Fulham came along. I knew the goalkeeping coach. I knew the assistant manager who was the same, the one of the same. And also uh, Roy Hodgson, I met with him. And the minute I walked in the door, the minute he opened his mouth, I could see how much he wanted me, how much he believed that I was the right fit for him and this club. So it was a no-brainer. It was easy for me to make that decision. Um, I never picked a club based on its location. Well, because in that story you told about Middlesbrough, you met at the hotel in Manchester. You didn't yeah. even see the facilities. Well, because Brian Rawson was living in Manchester. Yeah. So he was commuting back so and forth. you were that sure. I actually never been to Middlesbrough. Yeah, right. So I signed for Middlesbrough never, ever going there. I knew that he didn't have a training ground. I knew we were training on council grounds. But they were developing it. They were, they were, the plans were there. They were actually had already started, but they weren't ready. The stadium had just newly been finished uh, at the beginning of that season. They were, they were buying big. Fabrizio Ravanelli, European Cup winner from the season before at Juve, was, had signed. Emerson, Juninho. You know, it was, it was a, a, an exciting period of time at, at Middlesbrough. They wanted to go on to bigger and better things. They didn't want to be a yo-yo club anymore. They wanted to stay in the Premier League. They wanted to make a real go of it. So that was why it was easy. It was an easy no-brainer. The, the whole plan, the vision, 
the, the journey was, was exciting, as it was with Fulham. Roy, Roy said to me, the chairman's backing me. He knows. I've told him what we need to do. And, you know, we need to bring play. Yes, we've got a limited budget. However, he's going to back me when I need it. And we're going to create a group here. And I think if I can get it right, we could do something special. And, you know, it's a masterstroke in a lot of ways in terms of most, the vast majority of their recruitment. It was brilliant. Well, I mean, I could just keep running and running at the moment, uh, Mark. Because well, it's this... about time because you haven't, I don't think you've run for a long, long time. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, don't. Uh, Mark, it's been a great uh, uh, bottle. I've really enjoyed this one. It's uh, not usually what I'd go for, but it's certainly something I'd, I'd go for again. Yeah, because I, I think I think you know when you go to France, it's so difficult to know what, what what's a good wine. People go for Bordeaux all the time. Yep. And a funny story is when we were there for the Women's World Cup, we went out for dinner, our, our crew, and we went to this restaurant, and it was a really cute little restaurant. They had a chalkboard with a menu on, and that's it. So they were, I don't know, probably about four or five main menus. That's it. A couple of starters. And as we walked in, the guy that she was serving us was cutting up, I think, cherries or something in a basket. There was another sure. old Just guy French serving. Things. He was the chef. They were joint owners. They kind of like, it was amazing. He came over to us. He spoke a little bit of English. He was actually funny. He, we said, oh, can we have a bottle of Bordeaux? He went, Bordeaux. That's rubbish. Went, Bordeaux. <laughs> Everyone has a Bordeaux. Well, what do you recommend? He went, Cotterun. All right, let's go for it. And that's what we did. And so from then onwards, it was like, oh, I got the run. You can't go wrong. Mm. You can't go wrong. And, and honestly, I don't think I've had a bad one. Really? Wherever I've gone, whatever brand it is, I, I don't think I've ever had a bad one. Um, they're all, all, there's obviously different varieties, of course, but they're all of a similar ilk mm. and they're very delicious. Well, here on the Two Sharp Reds, as I'm sure you're aware by now, we like to taste the wine and try and compare it to a player. Uh, it's... I'm going to be honest with you, Mark. This time around, I've struggled in the sense that there's not a specific flavour or or something that the wine's doing that really strikes out. So normally, you know, certainly at this stage, we need different things to be able to to draw on. But, you know, we'd go, you know, whether it's a spicy flavour or a fruity flavour, whether it's a heavy wine, an intense wine or a light wine. You know, these are all, uh, you know, adjectives that we can use to, to then compare it to a player. It's very... Middle for me, I guess, if you know what I mean. It, it's not... It's horizontal almost. Yeah. yeah it's, pr- it's very, um, used to be before, consistent. Yeah, it's but just, it's true. It is. It's very consistent. It's a nice, nice bottle of wine, nice drink. Um, not too heavy, like I said. It's not your really heavy Bordeaux or, or, say, a Shiraz or anything like that, but it's not too light. It's not like a, a Pinot or even a Merlot time. So it's in between all mm. those. Um, and I, I, I like it. It's... Uh, it hits the spot, that's mm. for sure. And, I mean, this week we don't have any cheese either. We haven't had some no. cheese for a while, have no. we? Yeah, so I think next week we have to start bringing the cheese back. Absolutely. I'm right up for that. You know I love it when you cut the cheese. So in terms of, in terms of the wine, I'm going to compare this to a player who, for me, is, is good but not great, or actually great but not sensational. That's probably okay. it. There, there's a, there, I'm going to... Scale them up. Great, but non-sensational. They are your favourite word. They are consistent. They are just in the middle all the time, doing the same thing week in, week out at the moment. Uh, and I'm going for Jordan Henderson. I think he, I think he is great, but not sensational. Maybe one day we'll see, we'll see him make that leap. Uh, but is he going to be sensational? Who knows? Because is because, his ever going to be? Because let's be honest, he's going to be the first ever Liverpool captain. To lift the Premier League trophy. It's amazing, isn't it? So 
does he then go into greatness? Uh, in the eyes of Liverpool fans, he I think, becomes uh, I think a legend. They would be, yeah. Of course, he is. I mean, he's already lifted the the Champions League trophy. Yeah, he's lifted for the very first time in the club's history uh, the World Club Cup. So he is already mm. in a very short period of time. If he isn't already, he will be come probably what is it March? Mm-hmm. He will be a Liverpool legend. Take it away, Mark. Who does this so for me, you I'm going on along a similar ilk. Um, Ex-national team colleague of mine. Mm-hmm. I never played with him in a club football, but I obviously played a lot of times with him in the national team. Unfortunately, uh, he was actually at the time the leading... Uh, well, he was ahead of me in terms of caps for Australia. And then he sustained a, a medial, uh, sorry, a, a, an ACL injury. Oh, the dreaded gill. Yeah, and he was out yeah. for a year. And I then, I then overtook him in terms of caps. And then I became... I went on and obviously became the first player to reach 100 caps. And he actually never made it. He fell short. I can't. I think he's on about ninety-eight caps. Uh, played for Blackburn Rovers, won a European Cup with uh, with Feyenoord. So very much that that consistency. You knew exactly what you were going to get from him every time he played. He's a he's work rate right up and down the side. The right hand side was was sensational. You could play him as a right wing back, a right winger, right midfield player. Um, his crossing into the box was fantastic. He had a good strike on him as well. Um, was he was he the best right side player in the world? No. Was he one of Australia's better ones? One of Australia's best ones? Absolutely. Brett Edmonton. Sensational, wasn't he? He was so very, good very good. Yeah, very good. And at a very young age, won the won the UEFA Cup with yeah. uh, with Feyenoord. And uh, after that, obviously made his made his uh, his move across to to Blackburn Rovers and was part of a Blackburn Rovers team at the time that that did did really well in the league. Cheers, Mark. Cheers, mate. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.